Welcome to the Mad Men Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight's our Season 7A, our Season 7.0 wrap-up cast, where we're going to kind of go back and talk about what we thought about the season, um, how it stacks up against other seasons, what we think about characters, all that sort of stuff, and include your guys' feedback, as always, which is going to be a big component of this episode. As always. Yeah, you guys, every time, listeners bring it. First off, I want to thank you, the listener, for listening to our podcast. We've sure. done, I mean, we shattered all kinds of Mad Men records. Uh, last year, we were a little, you know, not flat, but we certainly weren't growing the same. And we we're wondering, huh, I wonder if we hit Pete Ma- Peak Mad Pete Men. Mass, oh no. We hit Pete Mad Men? <laughs> That's the problem. We hit Pete Mad Men. We backed up. This time, we tried to hit Don Mad Men. Mm. And uh, we've been doing brisk Mad Men business. Uh, so thanks for everybody for your support on subbable.com slash bald move and your patronage for Amazon link and everything else you do. Send in feedback, rate reviews on iTunes. It all helps so much, and we couldn't do it without you. Mm-hmm. So thanks for that, first and foremost. Absolutely. How do we want to start the show? Do we want to talk a little bit maybe about the predictions we made from Season 6 coming Jesus, into this season? Did we? we made a couple, not a ton. Um, we didn't have any kind of structured, organized predictions, but we okay. did say a lot of shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, we always do. We always do. Um, so we were mostly right about the status of Don and Megan. Yep. Coming back to this season, we had said, you specifically had said, seven months, if we were to jump that far ahead, is not a long time for a marriage to fall apart in the 60s. Right. And And I agree with that. And it looks like, you know, their marriage was... Still on the rocks, falling apart, but not totally The joke shattered. was on me because their marriage pretty much disintegrated within six to seven months. <laughs> it did, yeah. But it's been disintegrating for a very long time. Right. And, you know, are they going to be super rushed to get a divorce? I mean, the relationship is over, but, hell, I know quote-unquote married couples even now mm. that are no longer married and they're seeing other people. But, you know, it's such a hassle to get divorced. That, I bet. Eh, maybe, may, maybe take a pass on that. Yeah, could maybe. that be you know with Don? I don't see Don getting married again. I can't see that. Certainly not. Not in, for a fourth time. <laughs> not in Mad Men time. Not not in the time uh-uh, it's going to take no. us. You know, maybe he'll get married later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan, I don't come see... back season seven point five. He's married again <laughs> <laughs> to uh, Meredith. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> well, she's willing, no. able, ready. Oof. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I feel like I got it right, but only just barely because the wiener said, oh, you think it's going to be, you think six <laughs> months is moving fast for marriage to disintegrate? Boom. Uh, we were also right about not skipping the moon landing. The moon mm-hmm. landing was such an important event that I I knew they couldn't skip it and they didn't. And they ended up coming back a lot sooner than we thought, actually. Sure. And leading up to that over the course of, you know, six, seven months or so. It's arguable that the moon landing might be their biggest historical tie-in ever. I mean, I know... Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say because Martin Luther King, certainly, not only was it a big deal, but it was 
you know, treated as more of it. Like you get to see Don out and him and Bobby relating to a black man on the street, the Joan, mm-hmm. It's awkward uh, hug of dawn and uh, the inter-office politics of it. So there's definitely a large tie-in, mm-hmm. but n- and and the Kennedy assassination surely had the same amount of eyeballs. But this pretty much dominated the whole episode. It opened with it, and arguably with with um, Burt Cooper's moonwalk, <laughs> ended it, and it yeah, claimed yeah. the life of a major character. It did. Uh, Let's see was... the Manson murders do that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, th- I think you're right. It was a very, very big event, not only in the world, but in Mad Men. Yes. Um, and, and that makes a lot of sense. It does. Speaking of uh, historical things that happened in this season, I said Bob would not be back. Bob was back. Bob was, I was back, baby. I was completely wrong about that. Uh, he came back for a couple of episodes, and then I, the historical part here is there was the beating of Jack from Chevy. Right. Um, And it was right about the time of the Stonewall riots, maybe slightly before, but they never went into the Stonewall riots in any significant way. Do you think that that was a nod to those? I definitely think that was supposed to be a stand-in to, you know, the fact that the the cop had hassled and what a... a, Well, not just hassled, they beat the shit out of that poor guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure... Uh, soliciting a blowjob did not endanger the officer's life to the extent that he had to do that to the cop. That was just homophobia and, uh, sure. you know, I guess he'd call it a, a hate crime nowadays. But I thought it was a little bit of a missed opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. They could have rejiggered his time schedule. And sure. I thought I was really disappointed we didn't see Sal. I mean, it could be Pollyanna of me, but I really thought that there, that was a possibility that was on the table. Yeah, I'm with you, and I, I think it could have been very interesting to see that. It's not you know, something we've touched on since last season. So we had Bob back. We had Jack in there. We kind of had the right mix of characters to do it, and they just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And it was weird to bring those characters back. Because they for, need. For something other than just saying, hey, they're getting Buick now. They need the right mix of characters because they do. these are rich white people mm-hmm. um, that we focus on, by and large, professional class. It takes something like a Martin Luther King dying for them to even think about, oh, wow, look at all these people with different yeah. skins uh, that we work with. Um, certainly with the the fact of the, the gay ban uh, and their predicament uh, in the late 60s, it would ha- have you'd have to have a Bob to facilitate that yeah. being brought in the story. I don't know. I mean, it was certainly was a big, a, a big thing that happened, um, as important as as the civil rights movement, and it was kind of the birth of that. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I'd be curious to know why they didn't decide to go there. Just didn't have the time. Didn't. It probably want was a little to, bit of time. It's probably maybe you would have felt like shoehorning maybe they just mm-hmm. weren't interested in seeing bob benson take the streets i don't think that that i also don't think that's the kind of guy bob benson is even after being soundly rejected by peggy or not sorry peggy by joan and seeing you know having to bail his friend or his co-worker or whatever client out <laughs> of jail uh-huh. he's still he's a survivor he's a chameleon he doesn't seem like the type of guy who would even patron a club like that much no, less yeah. riot so yeah, you're right. You're right. Maybe that's he just wrote himself in a corner, and there's no way to address it without feeling heavy-handed. Sure, could be. And say what you will about the. I mean, 
I've said this about Game of Thrones. I've said this about um, the, double, the, the Double Ds, and I've said it about Vince Gilligan. Not often do I say, or maybe never, has Matthew Weiner picked up the Bacon Gauntlet of ham-fisted Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Tom Lorenzo would say that every fucking week that sure. he does these <laughs> background literature illusions. That that's head, but I, I don't see that as heavy-handed. And part of it is because I'm I don't read a lot of books. I'm not super into <laughs> you know a lot of the art school stuff that you learn. Right. Uh, in, you know, just in standard 101 courses, I've never been through art school or film school or anything like that, so I don't know these references. And it feels like someone who has been through that may view them as heavy-handed whereas I barely even pick up on them. But it's not when I I think of heavy-handed is if you it's you know, you mention the monolith, and, okay. and then I don't know. Maybe that. So I was just about to give an example where perhaps it is heavy handed. Sure, the monolith where, where you have computers struggling against mankind, and then yeah, you know, man is freaked out by computers. But to me, it's it's it, it takes that kind of stuff where you have a reference, you have a theme of the episode, and then several characters have to then, in case you missed all that stuff, beat you around the head and shoulders with repeating the theme. Okay. Sure, but if it's if if that stay is all background, um, you know, I think it's fine. Yeah, it was pretty overt in the monolith. I think maybe that was coming close to the bacon gauntlet level, right? Uh, but whatever. Uh, speaking of episodes this season, I was going to ask you what you think your favorite episode of the season was. There were a lot of exceptional episodes of the season, like there always is with Mad Men. In fact, uh-huh. uh, I can't think of one that was bad yeah. that I would probably give less than an eight and a half if I was still rating them. However, a standard episode for me, because I'm always, as a father myself, intrigued when the main characters have a father-child relationship and a day's work, amongst other things. I also had, I thought, really interesting, smart social commentary about the two secretaries, um, Dawn and Shirley, and them relating to being the almost the only the two black ladies at SCNP, mm-hmm. and how they, you know, what that meant for them, and that was kind of like a light and breezy way to deal with that issue. And they were very interesting, and they only really got one episode to shine, and that was it. Um, I liked the kind of comedy that was played with Peggy taking the flowers and then uh, giving them back and then wanting them to be thrown away. And then he, yeah, and, yeah. and the fact that it kept cutting to Ted and he's like, "What? Wait, they didn't mention the client that we lost." And so I had a lot of humor. But then the linchpin, of course, was Don and Sally coming to terms with his lying and yeah. his still lying about the job. And they both kind of came clean to each other and and he got. He repaired partially the relationship he had with her that was damaged from last season. And it was a beautiful piece of acting. And it's one of those things where it's like, man, the young talent on this show, much like Game of Thrones, it's just they got unbelievably lucky casting Kieran Shipka Mm. at such a young age, not knowing what she's capable of and steadily give her more and more to carry and more and more impressive actors to work with. And she's been up for it every single time. And I loved it. What was your favorite episode, Jim? Oh man, mine is kind of a toss up. I feel like it's a little bit of a cop out to say Waterloo because it is the most recent episode and it seems like recency shouldn't play a factor 
in what your favorite episode was. Yeah, get your recency bias the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> uh, so, Waterloo, I mean, I think even looking back, it will be a notable episode. So much happened. I mean, we had just everything go crazy at the end of the season. Uh, and Don's power play at the end, or what, what he what he tried to do when, like how angry he got when Cutler tried to oust him uh, was fascinating to see. I thought... You Stop know, with the, the cockies. The this isn't even your favorite episode. You're saying that it's... You're, I, you're I'm already... saying it probably should be, but I'm going to discount it because it's so okay. recent. The next most recent episode, The Strategy. Oh, my God. Uh, another just fantastic Hanging episode. Hanging a fig, fig leaf on the recency bias. Yes. Yeah. Uh, even though... We didn't get to see anything about Stonewall Riots. Uh, I felt like Bob Benson's work in that episode was fantastic, and it's a connection to his character that I maybe have not ever seen. Uh, it, it seemed like last season a lot of stuff was happening with him involved, but it was kind of happening more about other characters, like Pete, for instance. Sure. And this felt more real to me about who who Bob is, who he wants to be, uh, who he thinks he needs to be, and then, you know, him proposing to Joan at the end of that whole thing and her just saying, look, that's not who you are, man. You've got to stop, like, pretending to be somebody you're not. Mm-hmm. That's That was really just a great outcome for the character of Bob Benson, I think. I, I hope he takes that advice to heart. Um, th- there was a lot of other good stuff in there. Pete's trip back to New York to visit his daughter was typical Pete bullshit and that's what i like to see from pete right i don't need to see pete as a hero i just want to see pete being a terrible father and a grimy asshole okay and so i got a bunch of that uh the burger chef campaign stuff was great between don and peggy i i just like the episode all around see i think it's interesting that you put the don the uh the bob and pete stuff while they're great above the don and peggy stuff because to me this is my second favorite episode if i had to pick Uh uh-huh which I guess I have to, and it's all because that is, you know, outside of Don and Sally, the second most important relationship in his life that we've seen on the television show is Don and Peggy, and it's been yes. complex, and it's got ups and downs, and we still don't know exactly where it's going to end, even if it just ends in a, you know, mentor-mentee relationship that's matured mm-hmm. into, you know, mutual respect, Um that's still an interesting place for it to land. Um, yeah. If it matures and it turns into something more than that, then, you know, we'll have to see. But it was great to see a whole season of tension. Mm-hmm. Some of it earned, some of it not so much uh, between those two characters just kind of melt away and then p- played off beautifully in Waterloo with the Burger Chef, can- continuing saga of the Burger Chef campaign. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't hate on you for your choice there. I mean, all the all the family stuff in that episode just made so much sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, let's talk about the bigger question, I guess, which is how would you rank this season amongst all the other seasons? This is tough. I agree. Uh, so I previously had rated it things 3-6... Yeah, you you copped out and you said three and six were about the same. That's and that's I let fair, that slide. But I, I rank, rank. I clearly them. ranked them, asshole. No, three and six are not ranked. No, I think that I, well, I'll put it down. Three is my all time favorite season of Mad Men. Okay, still. there you go. Uh, but I had them three, six, five, four, and that's like you know three, six, 
three six were very close together. Uh-huh. A notch below that, five four, yeah, and even one at the tail end of that. But they're still in a class. And then two is like a distant <laughs> for Mad Men standards. It's not a huge you, fall off. You but just it's, don't like season twos of anything. No, I, I don't. Um, <laughs> but I think that that's kind of how I would uh, keep it. Now I think. It's interesting because season five, in retrospect, has has grown in my estimation. So I yeah. did this ranking without looking back through all the podcasts to find out. And I came up mm-hmm. with three, five, seven, A, six, one, four, two. Hmm. So okay. four, interestingly, uh, has dropped a little bit in as I you know get further distance from it. That was Don's original, oh, shit, I'm... I'm living the bad life. I need to make amends. And it looked like he was going to do that with Dr. Faye Miller. Yeah, And yeah. they end up punting and, and going with Megan in Tomorrowland. But, uh, I, and again, 357A6, all of a class. All very superior seasons of Mad Men. <laughs> Season one is not bad. Season four is not bad. Season two is yeah. not even bad. It was just a yeah, little yeah. weird. And it tonally doesn't seem to fit with the other stuff so okay uh, i'm damn near 100 percent in agreement with you here uh my top four are also five six seven three in that order i think last season uh, after last season i had ranked them uh six and five mm-hmm. like six was number one but i went back and i looked at some of the episodes in season five as compared to season six season five is a powerhouse i mean it has First of all, it introduces Harry's love for White Castles in the episode <laughs> Tea Leaves, right? Uh, which was a phenomenal episode. It has Signal 30 in it, where we get some of the grimiest Pete's ever been. Sure. Trying to pick uh, up a high school chick. <laughs> it has At the Codfish Ball with the blowjob oh. for, for Roger and, and Megan's mother. To prepare uh, Sally for her, his, his, her father sweatily grunting on a... <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. She gets treated to both of those. Um, it had the other woman, which was, you know, a disturbing episode for Joan. Um, commissions and fees though. Commissions and fees is the big one that stands out. Uh, as well as the Phantom. I mean, those two episodes are kind of wrapped up together a little bit. Right. But both of those episodes were just some of my absolute favorite stuff in Mad Men. So I have to go with season five being my absolute favorite now. Because season six, the stuff with Sylvia was good. The stuff with Dr. Rosen was good. Um, the stuff with Megan was good. But it wasn't outstanding, in my in my opinion. Sure. As and, compared and to again, season five. Hard, hard to argue with that, because there was this really amazing, amazing work in se- all, all the seasons. But yeah, you look yeah. through, you know, I'm looking through a list of all the seasons. And, you know, it's like I was looking through season four, and it had... Uh, the suitcase, the chrysanthemum and the sword. <laughs> yeah. Blowing smoke, which I believe that's the one where Don wrote the letter to be like, fuck off to the tobacco mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. Um, ran into Midge again. It's like, there's just, again, I don't even think season two sucks. So sure? if it's the no. worst season, it's all pretty much pure gold. Yeah, I agree. So that's how I rank them. Five, six, seven slots in right there between six and three. And then it's four two one, four two one. Yeah, Inter- interesting. So you like two? You like two more than one? Yeah, and my my rationale there was that one took me several tries to get into. Okay, and so I obviously wasn't hooked by it the first time. The second time through, I watched it and I liked it, and then I really started to get into the characters in season two. So mm. 
it's been so long since I've seen season one. Yeah. No, no, I, I feel you on that. Um, let's talk about what do you think the theme of this season was? The theme of this season. Hmm. Interesting. I was not prepared for that question whatsoever. Well, would uh, you like for me to, to give you my take? No. No, I don't want to hear it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. another 30 seconds of silence. <laughs> yes, please. I think that this was a a season setting up Don's, if not redemption, hmm. his build repairing bridges. Uh, it, the major arc of the season was him repairing his status within the partnership, within SC&P. Mm-hmm. But also... You know, every episode he would like, you know, hey, this is the one I'm going to try to make things right with Sally. This is the one I'm going to try to make things right with Megan. This is the one I'm going to try to make things right with Peggy. This is the one where I'm going to try to make things right with Joan. We don't know if him and Joan's relationship will be repaired. We know that him and Sally's relationship appears to be good ways on the way to repair. We know that him and Mm -hmm. Peggy's relationship seems to be better than ever. Yeah, because now there's respect going two ways, and it's not subtext at surface. Um, there's going to be less kissing of hands, but there's probably going to be less uh, biting of heads and throwing cash in the faces too from here on out. <laughs> yeah, um, and we do not know. I mean, and Megan, you know, he was not successfully able to pr- to repair that relationship, but it's also mm-hmm. the one he probably had the least invested in. Yeah, certainly. He's known her the least amount of time out of any of those characters. Certainly. So I thought that that was the main theme is that his attempt at redemption. And honestly, after seeing this season, my expectations for next season are a lot more hopeful than they were at the beginning of this one. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Like I could, I could have seen, you know, maybe he makes things right between his, his kids, but you know, maybe he ends up dying. Maybe, I mean, suicide was on the table, uh-huh. uh, being diagnosed with lung cancer, that was on the table, and still is, but I feel like that wherever we're heading is going to be more emotionally hopeful than what I was prepared to accept Yeah, I, I would almost be, to pre- be prepared to say that the suicide option is off the table for Don. He doesn't seem like he's in a headspace to kill himself at this point. Right. He He seems like he's learned a lot and he's a little bit happier and maybe more... <sighs> Just he feels a little more comfortable with who he is, right? And I, I think that kind of leads him away from suicide, <laughs> right? I mean, the thing, and and you could look at this a little bit over the arc of as Don moves up in the world and gets further and further away from the thing that really fulfills him for whatever reason, advertising does it for him. Mm-hmm. He's less and less happy and more and more self destructive. Now that he's returned to his roots, and he's he's like, hey, I'm leaving the deal, wheeling and dealing to Roger. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. This is the first time ever that he wasn't the catalyst for a major shakeup at the organization. That's true. I mean, yeah. I guess him being, you know, he was the catalyst for another person to think of a way to save his ass, but he had accepted his fate. Sure. And yeah. was doing it with dignity and with generosity towards his protege. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like Don's learned a lesson. We'll see where it goes from here. We'll see where, you know, what, what Roger does after this, how things yeah. are between him and Mona. So do you have any take at, uh, do, do you want to just leave it there or as yeah, far we can as leave theme? It there. Uh, I think that's good. Time skip predictions. This was one of the shortest time skips between seasons. It was, yeah. Matter of weeks. 
do you i feel like since this was all originally you know to the wiener's vision to be one cohesive season that there will be another similar you know this is going to be like an episode standard episode time skip of somewhere between two and four weeks rather than an even six or eight week skip Sure, I could see that. Um, I also think that he's going to end it in 1969. It is not, um, or like New Year's Eve or January of 70. We're not hmm. going to get deep into 1970. I certainly don't think we'll get deep into 1970, no. So we're in the middle of July. That leaves him five and a half more months, Yeah, so, which is about right. Yeah, seven episodes. If they're you know, between a couple weeks and a month, you're good to go. Uh, do you have anything else to talk about, or should we get to some feedback? Uh, a couple timeline things that mm. I thought were interesting. Some U.S. events happening in 1969 from here on out. Oh, yeah. And okay. kind of want to see what you think about as far as whether you think these will be relevant or not. Uh, the big one, August 9th, members of a cult led by Charles Manson murder Sharon Tate, who was eight months pregnant, and her friends. More than 100 stab wounds were found on the victims. Uh do you, this has been something that has been building. We had the Marilyn Manson looking look alike, dancing with Megan. Megan Marilyn been, Manson look alike. Oh Jesus! Sorry, in the nineteen Char- sixties, <laughs> it's an embryo. It's disgusting. <laughs> uh, Charles Manson look alike, dancing with Megan, who's been rocking a lot of Sharon Tate uh, looks. She lives in the same mm-hmm. valleys slash canyons that this murders took place in. Okay. Can I shit on the theory for a second? Shit on it. Shit she's, away. Because she's not pregnant in, in, in any way that we know of. She so wasn't far. Don's vision though. She's spiritually pregnant. <laughs> oh, spiritually she, pregnant. <laughs> she's got a brain baby, huh? Right. She got it from Jack's niece. She caught the pregnancy. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to play out literally. I really don't. Okay. Do you, but it's, is it an event that will happen and do something with Megan and Don's relationship? Is it going to be Don trying to... I feel to... like no, because we're, what, a few months out from that? No, we're less than a month out from that. Less than a month? Yeah. Hmm. Well, their relationship feels like it's already over. I, I like, agreed. How, do you, how does that affect their relationship if something Someone were murdered to in your neighborhood Megan? and you're living a whole coast away from your husband... That's number one, Don. Is Don going to feel guilty and be like, I need to be out there to protect you? And is she going to be open to that overture? Or is this going to so be finally the that slamming? Would, that would, I guess, assume that Megan is going to call up Don and say, hey, there was a murder. Uh, I'm scared. Come help me. Sure. Or are you saying that Don is going to hear about it, call her up and offer to help? I feel like that there will be some contact made. People are saying that Megan is not going to be seen in 7.2 or 7B. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that this is a thing that will happen in this universe and will be commented on, and Megan's living at ground zero. I don't I don't think it's going to affect the relationship because, again, it's over. Okay? Yeah. But I do think there's going to be some kind of connection, conversation okay. about that. Sure. I could buy that. I just don't think it will change anything about the way they interact. August 15th through 18th, Woodstock in upstate New York City, or upstate New York, rather. Yeah, I think you got to go, if not to Woodstock, you at least have to have, you know, like a Sally or somebody who wants to go to Woodstock. See, that was a popular prediction like three seasons ago, that uh-huh. Sally was going to get mixed up with the drugs and sex and everything and maybe make an appearance at Woodstock. Seems like she hasn't. I don't think she's that type of girl at this point. You could definitely see... 
uh, Don's niece, I guess we'll call her. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie. heading out there. Ooh. After oh. having her baby. Yeah, that could be, and that's that because some people are wondering whether we got some feedback on whether Stephanie might appear. That would be an interesting that she's taken some of Don's thousand bucks and bought a bus <laughs> ticket over with her screaming. You don't take a baby to to fucking Woodstock. No, you don't. No. Uh, anyway, but it's still a big thing. It'd be surprising if they didn't touch on that somehow. But it's sure. right up there with the Manson murder. So yeah, September second, first automatic teller machine. In New York State's in, uh, installed in Rockville Center, New York. Okay. Is that going to be Howard? Is, you know, they're going to be hired on... by Chase Manhattan to because uh, because you know this was a big deal back in the Advertise day. Advertise the ATM, that, like, yeah. You know, it's like I got you know this. I'm not going to talk to a person. I'm going to get my money out of some fucking machine and customer service. But now I would I gladly pay to use the ATM to not go in and talk to somebody. Yeah. But the ad that was a very new attitude. I wonder if there will somehow touch that in the ad world. September 23, Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid comes out, starring hmm. Paul Newman and Robert Redford. I feel like that's going to be a background. Sure. Kind of uh, the Wild Bunch type type Planet reference. of the Apes sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. September 22nd, The Brady Bunch premieres on ABC. <laughs> We're getting to that era of television, y'all. Oh, God. I'm, my cultural awareness is just starting to catch up to the show as it exits. Yeah, I'm seeing reruns of shows that are just airing on this show. Uh, October 9th through 12th are the Days of Rage in Chicago. The United States National Guard is called to control demonstrations involving the radical weatherman in connection with the Chicago 8 trial. In, in general, mm-hmm. there's just intensification of the Vietnam War protesting. Um, throughout the rest of this year, do you see the Vietnam War specter? Um, in fact, um, in October 15th, there is an organized of hundreds of thousands of people to take part in anti-war demonstrations across the U- the United States. Um, and- yeah, yeah, I I could definitely see that playing a bigger role because it's always kind of been just boiling in the background. Yep. It, it's never really stuck its head through to the main right. thrust of an episode. So, yeah, I could definitely see that. November 12th, uh, the My Lai Massacre is broken as a story by uh, an investigative journalist. Yeah. Uh, so that's something to fuel anti-war sentiment. December 1st, 1969, the first draft lottery oh, boy. Uh, occurs, which also helps solidify uh, opposition to Vietnam. So do you think that we'll see something like increasing peace in Don's life as we see increasing outre- uh, unrest outside? Or are we even going to see this insulated as we are in a Manhattan advertising culture? I don't know that anyone is quite insulated from the draft. Uh, that was a no-joke, balls-out draft. But who do we... I don't think Stan's 26. How old is Bob Benson? No, he's, we know? he's older than that. I, he is? I can't okay. think of anybody except for maybe Ginsburg, who's now cut How his old? nipple off and he's going to 4F <laughs> out mentally. I don't see anyone, like, even Stan. I mean, Peggy's yeah, 30 yeah. years old. Stan's his her contemporary. There's uh-huh. no way anyone in the office is young enough to be part of the draft, and I can't think of any major recurring character. Who's old enough. Who's like old Glenn. enough. Is, How old is Glenn supposed to be? Margaret. Is Margaret's husband going to get drafted? Ah, uh, good, she good question. She could be in that age range, and that would yeah. then then Ellery's left with no one, and that would drive Mona and Roger together. Maybe it's we too saw early, them but sitting on the couch. With he's the he's not going to get drafted on December first. That just like shows the draft yeah, order, yeah. and then you got so it's like I I don't know. I just I just grist for the mill. I don't think it's actually going to hmm. make too much character stuff going on. Okay, 
Um, October 16th, the Miracle New York Nets win the World Series. Ha! Beating the heavily favored Baltimore Orioles four games to one. Uh, that's obviously going to be big for New York City. And mm-hmm. maybe some tie-in to Don Draper beating the odds. A lot of people think he has one thing coming. Maybe he's got something else. Yeah, the Mets doing anything in this series worries me due to that banner, the pennant that's up on Lane Price's wall. Uh you, the one that Don found under the the filing sure, cabinet sure. when no. he inhabited the office of a dead man. Right, right. That's a little ominous when, when the Mets are involved in anything. Sure. Uh, that's all I got before we get the feedback. Should we do some promotional stuff? Sure, why not? We are part of the Bald Move Network. You can find all of our content at baldmove.com. And hey, did you know we're now doing podcasts not only on Game of Thrones currently, but we're also doing them on Fargo. We're doing them on 24, starting, I'm very excited to start a new Orange, a new Orange is the New Black podcast, <laughs> starting the next week or two. I think that drops Friday, and we're going to get the next podcast out the, this following week. But I've got an all-star roster of podcasting ladies, all ages, all walks of life, all racial backgrounds. Uh, we're going to be doing a rotating cast. we got Kelly from Up Yours Downstairs, Bald Move Zone. we got Nina from Project Fandom, we got Amy and Susan from The Because Show, uh, lots of other surprises. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and you, I'm looking forward to doing it. You can all try to guess which one of them has been in a women's prison. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a trick question. They all have. <laughs> uh, so speaking of them, you can check out Amy and Amy Jerilyn, Amy and Juzelin, Amy and Jerilyn and Susan every week on the Picasso Show at BaldMove.com. Don't forget about Eric. And Jesse over at the Personal Arrogant Show. Uh, they got their 200th episode coming up pretty soon, and we got something special cooking up there. Eric is going to DM a Dungeons and Dragons session that's going to star myself and Jim and Jesse, and I think Rocky Mountain correspondent Levi. Mm-hmm. That should be a lot of fun. We'll see what kind of hijinks we get or up to. Or a complete train wreck. Or it could be a treat. <laughs> anyway, I think it should be entertaining. Sure. Uh, as always, we appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes, and you guys have come through like heroes, as you always do. You can support us at subbable.com slash baldmove. Man, I got so much content to hawk. We're just generating so much of it, Jim. For example, last week we did two Metalocalypse podcasts. <laughs> Why? Because a crazy man named Joel decided to commission them using subbable.com slash baldmove. We will review any two hours approximately of media content that you would set us to do. He chose Metalocalypse. We had a lot of fun doing it. You can look, go to baldmove.com and check out those podcasts. If you're a fan, I don't think there's a lot of overlap between Mad Men and that. Surprised to find myself a fan, so who knows? Yeah. And as always, you can use our Amazon.baldmove.com link to make all your Amazon.com purchases and also send us free love. I think that's it. Baldmove.com. Click on support. You can find all the ways to support us and all of our podcasts. Done. Fini. Let's move on to feedback. John K. When Lane died, Don was surprised to find the company had a life insurance policy on Lane to cover the cost of the buyout. Thus, it seems they could have had one for Bert, and thus his death is a financial boon mm. to remaining partners as Bert's shares are reacquired by the company at a little or no costs. That is a hell of a good point. It is. I'm sure the man had some form of life insurance. Especially, you know, if they had one on Lane Price, who was a, a man of uh, youth and vigor compared to Bert. Yeah. Compared to Bert. <laughs> Compared to Bert. Uh, then, 
yeah, sure. I can see that. And also it kind of shuts the door and I shut it pretty hard last week on the theory that maybe Bert's sister is going to come in and fuck some things up or mm, yeah. I still think there may be but Harry's not made a partner. I was going to say there's there's still some room, nope. but the, who cares? Who cares? I keep wanting to make yeah, something there, that's but the thing. I don't care. I don't think the wiener cares and this nope. is his way of telling us. One last time, we're going to entertain some discussion on partnership stakes. And I'm going to make a statement, and we'll never talk about it again. (laughs) Okay. I promise, Jim. Michael says, I'm struggling to get past Joan and Pete's ownership percentage. Before the merger, Joan had 5%, and Pete had 10%. 15% total, leaving 85% that was split between Don, Roger, and Bert. What I understand is how Joan and Pete can still own 15% stake in a larger combined company after merger. Mathematically, all SCDP shares would have to be diluted because there are more people sharing a now larger pie. Let's assume that during the merger, SCDP and CGC had the same valuation. Under this scenario, Jones' 5% stake in SCDP would be worth 2.5% of the larger combined SC partners. Pete's 10% would be now worth 5 The only way Joan and Pete can retain their original 15% is if during the merger negotiations, Joan and Pete were offered double of what their original shares were worth. While the remaining partners of both companies divvied up the remaining 80% of what was left. What? This makes no sense. The tactic would essentially reduce the ownership value for the senior partners while the junior partners double their ownership stake. That is a good point. You don't understand it? I do not understand where he's getting 15% of anything. We know for a fact that Joan has 5 and Pete has 10. That's 15% added up. Oh, they're combining that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, but it makes sense. If you take two companies of roughly the same size and you uh-huh. merge them, the junior partners from this firm cannot come away from that merger owning 15%. That would effectively double the stake that they had in the company. For example, mm-hmm. you know, if you and I brought in a third partner, partner to Bald Move... Mm-hmm we would not retain 50% each of the ownership stakes. It's sure. mathematically impossible. Yeah, This no, is I just that. you know a less obvious result of that. Now, I will say, I don't really care, and I don't think Wiener does, nor is he that knowledgeable about this, and he's not bothered to fact check, because there's a lot of other things that doesn't make sense. The fact that Joan and Pete have an equal say. Very unusually egalitarian amongst uh, what I'd assume would be a rather mercenary lot of uh manhattan ad executives sure so you know they got five percent they got ten percent that's in the story doesn't really make sense but oh well we'll have to move on and i don't think it'll really matter going into the next season yeah it's not like uh they're gonna have the big discovery in episode three where pete realizes he's really got five percent and jones got 2.5 and they've just been bullshitting this whole time yeah yeah uh, Cynthia B. Uh, shared with us an L.A. Times interview with Robert Morse, which was exceptionally cute. Uh, this man in his 80s apparently has gotten his cell phone blown up by attention that his exit to the show. And he talks about, you know, how Matthew Weiner, Weiner uh, approached him and talked about how they did it, how they rehearsed it and how thrilled he is to have all this reaction and all the love that people have shown him. Uh, I'll include that. Uh, in the show notes, and uh, but you can find it on latimes.com. Lisa Double L, or Trip L, as I like to call her, <laughs> said there's a line in the, in the song Shoeless Burt Cooper saying that everyone seems, that uh, seems especially significant to Don, rather. Love can come to everyone. The best things in life are free. 
Everybody that commented on this song's references to the moon and money while overlooking love itself as a primary psychological motivator for Dick slash Don. Think back to the strategy right before Peggy and Don's My Way dance when Don said his greatest fear was that he'd never done anything and that he'd never have anyone. Or last season's episode, The Crash, where Frank Gleason's hippie daughter offered to tell Don's future and intuited that Don's question was, will anyone ever love me? Then she put a stethoscope to Don's heart saying, it's broken. Mm-hmm. Or when Don and Betty hooked up at Bobby's summer camp and Don told her that sex didn't mean as much as the connection that happens before. Or the flood, where Don was overwhelmed with the realization that his genuine love for Bobby after watching Planet of the Apes together and seeing what a good, kind boy the Bobby is. I kind of feel Don's whole life has been about finding someone to love him. Maybe that's because I'm a big, wussy woman. <laughs> By the way, Aaron's aside here, uh, I think Peggy Olsen would be that type of person. That could oh, love Don God. I'm just saying. I'm oh, just, here we go. I'm just saying. I'm just talking here. <laughs> I'm spitballing. Uh, I, I like this take a lot. She's not done. Okay. Think about it. Don grew up as an orphan in a whorehouse. He saw the ultimate perversion, the human need for love. It makes total mm. sense that his journey has been about finding love that's real and unconditional, but because of the way he grew up, he thinks he's not worthy of it. Remember, he punched out a preacher who told him the biggest sin was believing God couldn't forgive him. This sounds fucking crazy, but Dick and Don remind me of Richard Pryor. Stay with me. Pryor was raised in a whorehouse where his mom was a prostitute. Don was raised in a whorehouse where his mom was a prostitute. Pryor was brilliant and, in- and innovatively used his dysfunctional upbringing as- and pain as fodder for his jokes. Don thinks up ad campaigns that are light years ahead of the competition and uses his chaotic life to seed his ideas. His famous carousel pitch especially. Both men were incredibly self-destructive womanizers who tried to silence their demons with addictions. I think Bert from Beyond telling Don that love can come to anyone. Even Dick Whitman has something to do with where Don ends up, and naturally that's going to affect Sally, Bobby, Peggy, SCNP, Shirley, and Dawn. All right, now... That, I like this take a lot. That is such an eloquent breakdown of the Don character that I don't know that I have anything to add to it. It's, I mean, she basically it makes every so much significant sense. thing and to happen to him in the last three years along this vein. Yeah, and you know, I so and we're kind of talking. Is about this going to be an elaborate B. how we met your mother situation where he's going to find? I mean, literal love? Is it going to be the love that Peggy is... Peggy Olsen, Sally's mom. What, what are you getting at here? <laughs> is it going to be the love that he has for his children, for his children for him? Uh, I think that's going to be a big part of it, yeah. Is it going to be some romantic entanglement? Is it going to be in uh, a a expansion of this almost familial love he has with Peggy? What's going to fill that? I, I what's think going to repair certainly. that heart? I, I don't know that in the next seven episodes we're going to see... Like you said, Don getting married again, certainly not. But I don't know that he even finds anybody outside of his current circle of people to to love him in that unconditional way that he needs to be loved, right? Sure. So I think, yeah, it's probably a combination of his actual family, the family that he's been building over the last seven years of this show. Uh, I think that that's all coming together in Don's head. Sure. Uh Thank you for that, Lisa. Chris F. said, with my moon landing uh, ending coinciding with Don going over to Balcony idea, now shot. He was uh, yeah promulgator of that early on, maybe even the preseason cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to rethink where this is all ending up. I have noticed throughout the show that Soprano's influence on Mad Men is on full display this season. And the way it ended, a dreamlike sequence that lets you thinking, what the fuck was that? 
But I think what you guys said last week about the show being ultimately a cerebral type show, more than anything, was dead on. I can now see the show ending without a big bang or a great death or a suicide. It would not shock me in the least to fast forward into this time next year and having the show end without a big holy shit moment. The way things have ended or trended more upward lately for Don, I can see a much happier ending than I would have seven episodes ago. He agrees with us there. A character-driven show that ends with a character development more so than a trunk full of machine guns or a fade to black that has people thinking their cable went out. <laughs> Mad Men is a truly unique show. When it's all over, I think we are likely going to say more than what the fuck or holy shit. Uh, and we're going to say, wow, that was different. And that's not a bad thing. Your thoughts? I completely agree with that. I, I think it would be more true to the spirit of Mad Men for it to go out like that. Yeah, stepping down a bottomless elevator shaft, falling out of a window, <laughs> those are certainly shocking, but will it tr- feel true to the spirit of Mad Men? I don't know, and that's the thing. Like, I do believe that in some ways the Wiener has a more difficult job than Vince Villigan, than the Villigan. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting all my nicknames Vince confused. Villigan, yeah. Vince Gilligan, uh-huh. because Vince had a clear... This is the target I'm trying to hit. Mm-hmm. We all knew it. Yeah, we yeah. all knew where the arrow was aimed. Who the hell knows where the wiener's going to take this thing? And how do you judge your expectations for that? So on one hand, yeah. it's, it's, it's more difficult because he has to come up with a satisfying climax where we have no idea what to expect. But on the mm-hmm. other hand, it's less difficult because all he has to do is continue making quality character studies down to the very end. Like, I think Alan Sepinwall is right on. Either of these last two episodes would have worked fine for series finale, and I would have been saying, wow, I'm, I love leaving Mad Men at that spot. I don't need any more Mad Men. I'm glad I get more Mad Men. But <laughs> oh, you know me what I'm too. saying? Yeah. I, I do know what you're saying. And I, I could say that last season and the season before that. Yeah. Uh, it really felt good at the end of last season. I think if they had left it with him showing his kids his old house – we could have drawn something, you know, interesting and inspiring about Don as a character. Sure. From that, I'm not so sure what the finality of this season tells me. I feel like after this season, they were both very good episodes, but I don't know that I that I felt like it was final enough. I I like, I kind of like that. We saw where he was with his kids. Maybe, we saw where he was I, with Peggy. We can extrapolate the rest. You know, we didn't need anything more than that black curtain to know that Megan was yeah. done. I feel like maybe there's just a bit too much blank space in there that we need to fill in with our imagination. I'd like something just slightly more uh, of a point on that. All right. You heard it here first. Jim Jones likes to be spoon-fed, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I do. I love it. I want to be punched in the face by two bacon gauntlets at the very end of this. <laughs> with each a silver spoonful of ice cream. Uh, Josh P. said, you guys are great, but I was compelled to write by your comments that you've never heard of daughters getting beers for the dads. I have three daughters. <laughs> They're all extremely talented and independent, but they are well-trained to get beers for me when the need arises. This is a critical requirement for their survival in my household. Unless there be any confusion, I would expect this from my sons, too, if I had any. Mm-hmm. It's ironic that in an episode where the height of human achievement is so... Well, first of all, I just brushed past that point. I don't got daughters. Uh, I would never... I don't know. I never would... 
just, I would never think to ask. Of course, my son's only seven, and I don't know that I want. I how Josh, how early do you start training your yeah, kids yeah. to fetch beers? Josh has got it down to a science. Like so. you know, Sally was make mixing drinks and making rum pancakes for Dawn <laughs> when she was seven years old. Is that too? Is it like teenager? Do you mm-hmm. do you got to wait till they? I mean, at a bar they can't carry alcohol till they're twenty one. What's what's the rules? I'm I'm can't even sell I, it when you're a checkout clerk. I need more clarity here, Josh. Moving on, he said, it's ironic that an episode where the height of human achievement is so widely se- widely celebrated, we are reminded of antiquated thinking during the 60s. For example, one should not swim within an hour of eating. I hope Sally doesn't need the energy a complete breakfast would have afforded her, you know, <laughs> if she has to rescue someone from drowning. Dude, that died hard. And there's still, like, huh. like I remember hearing that growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you gotta wait an hour for swimming. And there's some things like going outside with wet hair in the winter, you're gonna get sick. Oh, I always knew that was a crock of shit. Well, I'm just saying that there's a lot of things, and there's always the thing like vaccinations are bad for you. You shouldn't. St- I mean, we're, oh, we're generating okay. new stupid shit that actually might kill us all. We are. Uh, take antibiotics whenever you feel bad. There's a lot of things <laughs> that I would wish we could go back to our antibacterial hour hand sanitizers. Yeah, How about that 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 won't kill you. This 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 is making an existential threat to civilization. <laughs> I predict Harry is fired when the executives from Burger Chef walk in his office and find a big old bag of White Castles. <laughs> yep. Solid prediction, Josh. We'll see what happens. Love it. Allison D says, I gotta say something about Joan. There seems to be a lot of disdain about her attitude this season. Her animosity towards Don has been characterized as a plot device because Joan wouldn't be so upset about Don ruining the IPO. You know, there is a ton of people on Facebook up in arms about Joan still. Like, Going to the mat that you know, then they were taking the illustration of a friend who lost your lottery ticket to things like, <laughs> "What if you put the lottery ticket in their pants and then it got washed? Would you still be mad at them?" Oh, and God. because Don what if didn't it was know a and... forged lottery ticket, <laughs> right? It's never good to be good. But with. it's like then you'd have to add other uh. qualifiers because the thing is, is like Don didn't know about the IPO, but Don knowingly did a bunch of reckless shit sure. that jeopardized something that he didn't know about. And, and regardless of whether he knew about it or not, he caused it. Sure. And Joan has a right to be angry about that, yeah, like, I think. I th- that's the thing that I think the people on Facebook perhaps are missing, is that I'm entirely supportive of someone being irrationally upset with someone. Sure. Like, a lot of people are. We've all probably been in relationships with people, maybe you still are, with people that have a dream about you, and shit goes bad, and they wake up, and they might be pissed off for you for a whole day because of what your dream self did. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Being irrationally upset, upset because someone cost you $10 million, even if they were just being a careless dumbass, I don't think is unreasonable if you consider these people are flesh and blood humans. and. It, I think it was only a million dollars, but no, I no, no. I, still... I was projecting in today's money. Oh, okay, because yeah. a million, a million I... <laughs> here, a million there. Pretty soon you're talking real money. I've lost, Ten a, million. I've lost a million so many times. Oh I can't my even god! Remember. Uh, <laughs> I I agree with you 100. percent You can be irrationally mad. I don't think that's a bad character. I think it's a realistic character. Okay, so Allison continues. I don't get it. She says why that's why she's upset, but isn't she actually pissed at Don because he couldn't stomach a relationship with the Jaguar jackoff? After she manned up and slept with the pig, she sacrificed so much personally for that, and poor Don just didn't like him. Granted, the guy was an ass, and they didn't need the client in the end, but Don acted immaturely and selfishly, 
She learned that an absolute egotistical brat Don truly is and totally lost respect for him. She is painfully reminded that she can be totally committed to the firm and never have the same control or respect as this guy who acts like an adolescent and, yes, a bully. Yeah, Don and Joan have history, but in this situation, she probably thought he could he would protect her investment because he's the only partner who recognized it as appalling. But once she became partner, yeah. she felt judged by Don, especially after he blew up the Jaguar account with no grace or tact. I, I agree with a lot of that. I, That's and, also why she's mad. Yeah, that and the million dollars. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's definitely a parfait with many layers. But that's true. And the fact that Don, I'm sorry, Joan does not like white knights. Yeah, true. She does not like it. Look when what people, she did to Bob. She crushed him. And, you know, when Peggy <laughs> fired that one pervy uh, intern, <laughs> she wasn't thrilled about it. She likes to fight her own battles. Him going to the mat for heart with uh, the Jaguar guy, what's his name, Herb? Herb, yep. She didn't appreciate that. And then sure. the whole million dollars thing on top of this. Allison I, continues. Oh, I, I do take exception to the idea that she does not have just as much control over fucking up clients as Don does. Really? Like, Don doesn't. Don has more say than her in the company, I think. But she could still fuck up just as many clients if she wanted to. But she has. That's the point. She hasn't. But she could. Oh. Like, she has that control, certainly. I get, but she... I, she, ha- she can do the same amount of damage that Don could. This is another time where I'm going to get in an argument where I just want to hit you. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, she has the same power to push the nuke button, but she didn't. So, moving on. I wish I could predict her mood and her relationship for next season, but I have no clue. Although I love Roger and Peggy, Joan is the character for whom I most most wish happiness. Hmm. Sally, close second. For Don, I think it's clear he realizes his happiness will come from his dependence. Sally and Peggy finding fulfillment. Something else. Will Anna's niece, Stephanie, return? Was she just there to show Megan abandon her, abandoning her moral compass because of Don's aloofness? Will Don start Dick Whitman's home for children with asshole grandparents? I want to play some sweet-ass Jimi Hendrix licks as my answer. Stephanie's coming back at Woodstock. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's my prediction. Farrell Q said, Have you heard, or I have heard you, rather, Oh, boy. Reference a Kennedy subtext to events in a show, including the JFK assassination and Don and Megan's relationship. I thought the Wiener missed a very interesting potential Kennedy parallel during Waterloo. The episode unfolded over three to five days before and after the moon landing on July 20th, 1969. He ignores the irony-rich events around Ted Kennedy's disgraceful Chappaquiddick incident, which occurred on July 18th, 1969, and was in the headlines along with Apollo 11. Because the wiener failed to seize upon Chappaquiddick as an opportunity to comment on Don Draper's relationship or some other aspect of the plot, I think it was a big missed opportunity. Ah, uh, if he can yada yada the Stonewall riots, I think he can sure yada yada <laughs> uh, Ted's boating accident, car boating accident. Wow, I don't, I don't even know what that is. Okay, well, basically Ted Kennedy ran off, he gets drunk, ran off the okay. road, he had a prostitute on board, he... Swam, he got free of the car, but left her in it and waited an inordinate amount of time to inform the police about the matter. And there's a whole cover up mm. and, you know, General Kennedy skullduggery. <laughs> However, it's, you know, that being right on top of Apollo, I, I you know, I, yeah, maybe it is still front page news, but you got sometimes like 
I'm sure there was momentous events on 9-11-2001. <laughs> we don't remember any of them. That there was other things than that on the front page of the New York Times, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. But there's some things that are, like, so big they suck the oxygen out of the room. And I think that, you know, is maybe one of those events. Sure. Uh, and also, it's like, what would you... It doesn't fit Don's current arc. I mean, a man callously using a woman or not looking out for her, her own interest above his own ambitions is more like season five slash six Don than season seven Don. Yeah. So thematically, thematically it didn't really work either. Matt L says, over the past few seasons, there have been closing out some ancillary characters. This is clearly being done to focus on the core group. Ginsburg, Lou, Cooper, Roger's daughter, Pete's girlfriend, Julio, Megan, there are some characters. Bob Benson. There are some characters are basically done, and if they didn't show again, you wouldn't really care. Harry Francis, Bob Benson, mm. Freddie, Ken, Trudy, maybe Harry and Cutler. Also, their story arcs are basically done. Do you agree with that? Not yeah. seeing Harry Francis again because, like, we do care about Bay, don't we? Do we? Uh, that's a really good question. And I think last episode I said the only people I really care about are Don, Don, Peggy. And maybe Don's kids. Um, can't remember right. exactly what I said there, but I don't feel like Betty is one of those characters that I really care about. Like she's always kind of been a part of the series, but it's been through the lens of Don. Yeah, yeah. No, and Don I has totally moved on agree. from her. I, it's not that I don't care about Be- Betty, but it just feels like Betty was always a foil for Don. Yeah. Um. She's had very little kind of storyline of her own. I mean, her biggest storyline was her getting fat and then getting thin again. That's yeah. not great material to work with, in my opinion. <laughs> not really. It's interesting to see her, her kind of Her being budding. a terrible mother has been kind of good. That's definitely... But that's, again, a foil to Don and the story about Don and his children. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, if they have interesting material for her to work with, then I'll be interested. But I, I don't feel like I need to see where she's at, or Henry, mm. for that matter. Nope. Uh, there's another reason for – well, let's go back to a couple others. Um, obviously, we don't really care about Ken. I mean, I would like to see if his eye eventually <laughs> grows back, whatever. <laughs> grows back. Uh, Bob Benson, done. Freddie Rumson, yep. done. Trudy, I always like seeing her, but done. Done, yeah. Harry uh, Cutler, done. Harry, yeah, I, I, I think that he's right on. Uh, another reason for the Cooper send-off, if they didn't do the song and dance, they would have basically been doing what Cutler was trying to do. There's no real grieving process that occurred. No real goodbye. Cutler wanted to close the door as fast as he could, as he did with Cooper's door at night after Roger walked away. In fact, Roger opened the door and Cutler quickly closes it. Some nice symbolism. The scene is clearly Don beginning to grieve when he has time to realize what's going on. The SC&P buyout distracted him from Cooper's passing. Even on the show, the scene brought it back and paid the proper respects. Good point. Yeah. If the song and dance number wasn't there... It would have felt like a brush off for a minor character, but an important one. Sure. I agree with that. Prediction on how it ends. The show will fast forward to current time. There will be a ceremony where Peggy is getting an award for being a visionary and a trailblazer and advertising agency. She'll basically be about 75. She'll give a speech and remember Don, who will be gone by then. He would have been 90 or so. Building on your prediction, Matt, I think he should do a dance number out in the audience. (laughs) Maybe like pop and lock. That so, is a bold prediction that yeah. they're going to fast forward forty years. I don't think in. I don't think at episode one. Maybe the uh-huh. last of it, episode seven, is kind of like the flavor of his prediction. 
Okay. I see uh, I see things ending uh New Year's Eve 1969. That would feel very satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. It's not important, but it would be awesome if it did because then this show is the 60s plain and simple period. Sure. Uh his next point, there is no romantic thing going on Don and Peggy. Get over it all in caps. <laughs> If anything, I'm sparing you because I haven't deployed my Don will get with Stephanie theory. Oh God! <laughs> At Woodstock. At Woodstock, will be covered exactly. in mud. You'll barely be able to tell it's them. But exactly, he'll she'll find out that she's named her love child Don. <laughs> he'll finally realize, you know, we're not really niece and uncle, so it's not really creepy. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm I'm with the listener here. Uh, no, there's nothing going on between Don and Peggy. And right. and if the Burger Chef stuff doesn't tell you that, I don't know what's going to convince you. Are they going to have to say it on screen? I don't know. It'll be I. I'm not taking a big stand either way. So it's very funny that some people are just okay. violently yeah, certain yeah. that this is not going to happen. Sure. And I don't think anyone can be that violently certain about anything in this show, let alone that. So true. We'll see. Um, as I said, I'm prepared to eat castle black amounts of crow, 105 crows, if I'm wrong. Okay. Are you, can you say the same? Uh, some story arcs to close in the last episode, Sterling and Joan's baby. Had you forgotten that Joan and Roger have a baby together? No, I remember that. Okay, me too. I just, I saw someone in the comments saying, oh shit, I forgot about that. Uh, do you think that Roger and Joan will get together? No. God, no. I think that ended a season ago. Same here. Do you think Joan will find happiness with another man? Do you think she'll find happiness just on her own? I don't know who it would be at this point. We've only got seven episodes. Granted, if that's like five, six months, maybe she can squeeze something out before then. But she's running out of time during the show to find someone. Certainly. Uh, Don and Sally, their relationship. I don't know that I feel like that arc needs to close i feel like it's in a good spot they could do more with it but i don't feel yeah. like it's hanging right now sure uh don and betty do you agree i feel like that's another one where i don't need i will be happy to get more but i don't need more uh pete and peggy's baby mm-hmm. is that ever going to be something is peggy going to end up with so. pete is that a fate <laughs> worse than death oh god that would yes. not be a happy ending for me no she'd have to move to the tar pits uh uh, no, he's moving back to Manhattan for his nighttime noises. Is he? Yeah, I think he's definitely coming back to New York. I, I think that the... Really? I know Ted wanted to. I think SC&P West is just going to roll up. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I don't feel like we need any more of that, right? Sure. Uh, and finally, most... Con- oh, Peggy and Ted. Are we going to see a redux of that? I... I think, you know, with him suggesting I can move back to New York, we might get a little bit more of that and kind of put, like, a actual close on the thing. I'd like to see her reject him this time. That would be nice, If he yeah. does come calling again. Sure. Uh, then finally, Pete, most controversial, Pete gets a conscience. No, come on. No. What kind of show have you been watching for no, seven years? No, he's got no heart. He's not been to the wizard. <laughs> Uh, one last thought. I think they'll write off Betty and uh, when Francis gets a job in D.C. and they all move, uh, Bobby and Gene will go with them, but Sally will stay in New York with Don. Hmm. I could, be, I could get behind that. Yeah, why not? 
That's the last of feedback, and that is the end of our season seven A coverage of Mad Men. Wow, it feels like a really short season because it, it was was a really short season. We'll be back in less than ten months. Okay, less than eleven months anyway. Almost exactly ten months. Have they announced a date for the next? No, one? I'm just assuming they've been <laughs> okay. After there's been no strike and no contract negotiations, I yeah. I don't see this machine shuddering to a halt or taking a year and a half to get this to us. So okay. Uh, Sounds that's good. my prediction. Yeah, I really enjoyed this season. Had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and I'm hoping that next season will be just as good, if yep. not better. So thank you for listening. Uh, if you would like to join us on other podcasts, check out baldmove.com. See if anything will tickle your fancy. find it hard to believe there's none that won't. Uh, but if not, look forward to seeing you back next year as we close this masterpiece out for the last time. Until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Jim. <laughs> Not See you then. <laughs> for the not quite last time, for the last time of 2014. You said I'm Jim. You are confusing. I said I'm Jim. You said I'm Jim, yeah. No fucking way. Yes, you did. No, you have to play it back to me before I believe you. And I'm Jim. See you in 10 months. Mm-hmm.